0: Well, I am honored to serve as the next lead pastor at Highlands, and this is a church with a rich 75-year history and a bold legacy of faithfulness to the Bible and creatively serving kids and students and families and sending missionaries and supporting missionaries around the world and... Pursuing kindness to our community and, um, and it is a privilege to get to be the pastor here and it is also a tremendous stewardship that I hope to steward in a way that honors the Lord first and foremost and also honors the many men and women who have come before us here. Um, today, um... I just wanna talk about what you can expect from me as your pastor. Um, Next Sunday, we're starting a new series on the book of Philippians that I think uh, we chose intentionally because I think it lays out for us a vision for the kind of church we wanna be, a church that is partnered together around the gospel and a church that is influencing the people around us. But today, I just want to focus on what you can expect from me as your pastor. Because what I've learned over the years is that there's a lot of different ideas about what a pastor should be and what a pastor should do. And these ideas can be shaped from all kinds of things. Maybe there was a pastor that you really liked or that you didn't like, and that can influence the way that you think about pastoral leadership. Maybe there's a famous pastor that you really respect, and that can influence the way that you think about what a pastor should do, um, and so that can lead to all kinds of ideas about what a pastor is. Um, for some people, the pastor is a confession booth, right? Um, and I've I've been amazed at my time in ministry the things that people that I don't even know will tell me just in passing. I'm like, wow, really? What was your name? Uh, you know. Um, <laughs> So for some people, that's what the pastor is. For others, the pastor is a dynamic leader, CEO type who's going to grow the organization. For some people, the pastor is a theologian or a scholar. The pastor can be thought of as the gentle counselor who's going to meet with everyone and be there to solve, you know, problems There's all kinds of different ideas of what the pastor could be. And so how do I understand what my role is to be before God and for you? That's what I want to talk about today. So I thought about titling this message, Judge Your Pastor. Um, (laughs) But Courtney didn't like that. so, um, So instead we're calling it The Role of a Shepherd the role of a shepherd. One of the primary metaphors that the New Testament uses to talk about leadership in the church is that of a sheep with a shepherd. The church is a flock of sheep. The pastor is a shepherd. In fact, the word pastor, our English word pastor, actually comes from the Latin word for shepherd. So the word pastor itself is a metaphor for The kind of work that we should be doing. A pastor is a shepherd. But many times when people hear the word shepherd, it's not even clear exactly what that means the pastor is supposed to do. A lot of times we'll talk about shepherding as a gift. Like shepherding is, you know, being highly relational and meeting with people. And that's somebody who has the gift of shepherding does that kind of stuff. Is that all that's entailed in being a pastor? What is the role of a shepherd? I want to share five things with you today. The first, a pastor should give his time to following. To following. The first role of a pastor, the first thing a pastor must do is follow. Listen to Acts chapter 20, verse 28. This is one of the most famous, important passages about the role of pastors. Acts 20, verse 28, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The first thing that I need to know as a pastor and that you need to hold me to as your pastor is that I am not the owner of this church. Jesus is the owner and a pastor is a manager. Jesus is the chief shepherd and I am an under shepherd. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd, referring to Jesus, appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Jesus is the owner, the pastor is a manager. Jesus is the chief shepherd, the pastor is an under-shepherd. Why does Jesus own the church? It tells us here in Acts chapter 20. Because it's been purchased with his blood. That's why Jesus owns the church. The reason there is a church is because God created humans to be sheep in his pasture. God designed humans in such a way that everything we need to experience real, satisfying life, we can only find with him and with his people. Our basic problem in the world is that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. That is our basic problem. We've tried to be wise in our own eyes. The good news that the church proclaims is that we, even though we are ignorant and have wandered away, and we, even though we have rebelled against God, God has sent a shepherd to come and seek us and save us and bring us back into his flock. That is the hope that we proclaim. And he to rescue us from danger interposed his precious blood. That is our hope, that we who are like sheep have gone astray, but Jesus has come to seek us and save us. And the way that he does that is he lays down his life for the sheep by dying on the cross, shedding his blood so that sinners like us can be forgiven. And he is raised from the dead in power and glory. He owns the church. And so the first job of a pastor is to follow Jesus. And I am obligated just like you, to follow Jesus in two ways. I need to follow Jesus with my life and with my leadership. I need to follow Jesus with my life and with my leadership. What do I mean by that? In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it says, be on guard for yourselves. Paul is instructing these pastors, these elders to watch out for their own life, so they don't screw up. Paul says the same thing in First Timothy chapter four, verse 16. He's writing to Timothy, this young pastor who was about 30 years old, which is how old I am. And he says, "Pay close attention to what? To your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. The first obligation I have as a pastor is to watch my own life, to guard my own heart, to grow my character and grow my faith, to keep my eyes on Jesus, to protect my marriage and my family. Tom Watson, who was a significant leader with IBM, he was the CEO for like 40 years, he said, nothing so conclusively proves a man's ability to lead others as what he does from day to day to lead himself. Nothing so conclusively proves a man's ability to lead others as what he does from day to day to lead himself. As a pastor, I am obligated to heed that message Richard Baxter, in the book, The Reformed Pastor, which is a classic, he was a pastor in the 1500s, he says, "'It is possible that many men have warned others not to come to that place of torment which they have hastened to themselves.'" Is it possible also that many preachers are now in hell who have called upon their hearers a hundred times to use their utmost care and diligence to escape its dark destiny? Believe it, brothers, that God never saved any man for being a preacher. My standing before God is not based on the fact that, well, I get to be the one who's up here. So I need to be sobered and I need to keep my eyes on Jesus just like you do. The only hope for sinners like me and like you is the precious blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. That's no different for me than it is for you. So my first obligation is to keep a close watch on my life, to care for my own heart through spiritual disciplines just like you to make time for prayer and Bible reading and friendship and repenting of sin and trusting the gospel and giving generously and resting. It's important that I have a day a week that I don't respond to emails. It's important that I tithe. It's important that I prioritize my marriage and my family, just like those things are important for you. And a pastor should follow Jesus not only with his life, but also with his leadership. Jesus is the owner, I'm the manager. So how should I spend my energy? What initiatives should I pursue? Ultimately, Jesus needs to set the agenda. Jesus provides the job description. Jesus is the one that I will ultimately give an account to. And so, what is his mission? Jesus said, I will build my church. And so, if a pastor is following Jesus, then what kinds of things will he devote himself to? That leads to our second thing a pastor gives himself to feeding. A pastor preaches the word of God. In order for the church, the flock, to be built up, it needs to be well-nourished with the word of God. This means the most important task that I have as your pastor is to devote myself to the ministry of preaching the word. What did Jesus, after he was raised from the dead and he's there with Peter and restores him, what does Jesus say to Peter? three times, he says, feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, feed my sheep. The most important role of a shepherd is to feed the flock. In 1 Timothy 4, the verse we just read, Paul said, pay attention to your life and your teaching." In 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead. And because of his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. I was listening to uh, this interview with a pastor uh, recently, and he was talking about something that he told the pastor search committee when he was interviewing. And he said this, I am happy to see every aspect of my public ministry fail if it needs to, except for the preaching of God's word. Others can do everything else, but I am personally responsible for the preaching of God's word. Why is preaching the word so important? because the word of god creates convicts converts and conforms god's people peter says in 1 peter 1 you have been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of god it's the word of god that gives birth to the church 1st Thessalonians 2:13 When you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a human message, but as it truly is, the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. The word of God is God's way of giving life to dead sinners and to dead churches. The word of God does the work And this means that the power of preaching is not in the preacher, but in the word. Recently, um, I was having a conversation with someone from our church, and uh, for the last several months, uh, his niece has been coming to church with them here, and um, she's been talking about how she's been growing in her faith a lot, and he said, um... I bet you never expected a skinny, soft-spoken white guy to be the one God would use to grow your faith. (laughs) And I thought, thank you, I think. uh..." (laughs) And that's the power of the word. As your pastor, I am committed to preaching what we call expositionally through the Bible. That means that we expound on what the Bible says rather than using the Bible to say what we want to say. Expositional preaching understands that the preacher is just a messenger. And this can take several forms, and there are three primary forms that I intend to use here. I made this up with three T's just to help me remember it. There can be textual series that we do. That is when we preach through a book of the Bible or a section of the Bible. So like we preach through Ruth. Next week we start Philippians. It's preaching through books of the Bible. That's the primary thing that we'll do. We can also preach expositionally by preaching through sections of books. So that would be like what we did with the parable series. We were looking at a section of a book of the Bible. That's a textual-based series. We also might have theological series, theologically based series. That's where we'll talk about a theological topic like the Holy Spirit or the atonement or the church or the future. And we also might have topical series. That's where we talk about a particular topic uh, from the Bible like prayer or wisdom or marriage or parenting where we say what the Bible says about a topic. Regardless of the form, though, the goal is to be expositional, to say what God has said. And in addition to being expositional, I'm personally committed to preaching that's clear, that is, you can follow it. Preaching that's practical, that is, it's easy to see how you could use it. And preaching that's gospel-centered, that is, it's, helping people see Jesus and what Jesus has accomplished because I think Jesus is the target of the Bible. It's where all the Bible is pointing. And so my greatest priority as your pastor is preaching God's word. So what should a pastor devote himself to? Following, feeding, and here's number three, protecting Protecting A pastor not only ensures that the church is well-nourished through the active role of preaching God's word, but also guarding them from false teaching. The enemy's tactic has been and always will be to deceive, to use lies, propaganda, and false teaching to destroy people. And consequently, a pastor's job is not only to feed the flock with sound teaching, but also to refute false teaching. Paul goes on to say in Acts chapter 20, verse 29 and 30 to these elders, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. And that's why he said in verse 28 to be on guard. Titus 1.9, An elder must be a person who is holding to the faithful message as taught so that he will be able to both encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. 1 Timothy 1.3. As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine. A pastor protects the church from false teaching. At Highlands, that might look like guarding the pulpit to ensure that on Sundays, what we preach is true. It looks like monitoring what we're teaching in kids ministry and student ministry and group ministry and any other ministry. And it looks like confronting false teachings that may arise in the church. A pastor gives himself to following, feeding, protecting, and here's number four to loving. A pastor should lay down his life for the church. And we do this because this is what Jesus, the chief shepherd, did. Listen to John 10, verses 11 through 13. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. But pastors are called to be shepherds, not hired hands. That means that I am called to know you and be known by you. I'm called to pray for you and to care for you. Now, because it's a large church and because I'm a huge introvert, (laughs) it's unrealistic that I'm going to know all of you at the same level that I know some of you. And it's unrealistic that I would be the one who could offer care to all of you. And because of that, it's essential that we have systems and structures that enable this to happen there are two systems and structures that are extremely important in this regard. The first is team leadership. The good news for you is that I am not the only pastor at this church. We have a group of 11 elders who are also responsible for pastoring the church. We also have a number of pastors on our staff We also have a number of staff members who help in the care and shepherding function of our church. We also have a number of people who serve in the role of deacons and deaconesses who support this ministry. And we also have just a ton of team members who serve in various ways to ensure that people in our church are being cared for. So one of the most important systems and structures that we've got to always Uh, be on the lookout for how to make sure it stays healthy and it stays effective is team leadership. The second is meaningful membership. Meaningful membership. Meaningful membership helps the pastors, the shepherds know who is the flock that we're responsible for. I will not give an account for every Christian in the world someday. And I will not give an account for every Christian in Renton someday. But I will give an account for the the flock under my care. The same is true for the other elders and the other pastors and the other team members. So the question then that we've got to be able to answer is who is the flock? That's one of the reasons that we need meaningful membership here at Highlands. Highlands. And that's something that in the next year we intend to work on to improve. Another reason that meaningful membership matters is because it helps us protect and promote our gospel witness to the world and one another. It helps connect new people into fellowship at Highlands so that when they visit, it's clear how they can get connected. And it also helps us ensure that people who are connected to our church are prayed for and cared for in active and ongoing discipleship. I want to be able to have a membership directory that I carry with me to my quiet time every day with pictures in it that I can actually pray by, by name and face for every member of our church. I want to be able to do that. In order to do that, we've got to have more meaningful membership here at Highlands. That's going to be a process that takes thought and care it's gonna take time, but that's something that is important to me. A pastor gives his time to following, feeding, protecting, loving, and here's number five, and leading. A pastor provides leadership and oversight to the church. Pastoral leadership starts by modeling. When I wrote that, it sounded funny to me um, because I've never thought of myself as a model. (laughs) Um, But here's what I mean. 1 Peter 5, verses two through three, as Ben prayed, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock being examples listen to 1 Timothy 4:12 don't let anyone despise your youth but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity 1 Corinthians 11:1 imitate me as i also imitate Christ pastoral leadership starts by modeling That means to circle back to number one, that my first role as a leader is to follow Jesus. If I'm not pursuing Jesus, you do not need to follow me, and I do not need to be in a position of leadership. And that is true for any leader in our church. Does that mean that we will all be perfect? No. In fact, one of the things you can expect from me is that I will make mistakes. But my aim and my my path should be towards Jesus, just like yours should be. So that I should be able to say with integrity, follow me as I follow Jesus. Pastoral leadership starts by modeling Being an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. Pastoral leadership also involves directing the church, clarifying vision and values and strategy and measurables. What do we do here? And why do we do it? How do we do it here? It's going to be just a minute. I don't know if I, I maybe botched the... Y'all are cool to hang, but I may have messed up the cue. Uh, the but yeah, it's going to be a minute. So, um, <clears throat> Pastoral leadership involves directing the church, vision, values. I understand this to be one of my primary priorities going forward. And I think it's one of our most urgent needs as a church. Pastoral leadership also involves serving. Being the leader doesn't always mean being in charge. When I go into the tech room on Sunday mornings, it would be within my authority to start barking out orders. And that would be one of the most foolish things that I could do. When I was at high school summer camp, Speaking, it would be absolutely foolish and arrogant of me to be at camp and say, well, you know, Josh, this is really how you ought to, how you ought to handle the schedule today. Well, you know, Josh, hey, I know that y'all just made this decision on that, but actually, uh, here's what I would like for you to do. That's not the kind of leadership that we're talking about here. Being the kind of leader that Jesus was requires serving. It requires being willing to help. There are times where it's my job to make a decision. There are most times where my job is to listen to the other people who are around the table and say, hey, what do you think we should do? Pastoral leadership looks a lot like listening, collaborating, being willing to help the team wherever is needed. Pastoral leadership also involves equipping the church for ministry, empowering you to use your gifts, empowering our staff to lead in their areas, helping you pursue the ministry God has given you. A pastor gives his time to following, feeding, protecting, loving, and leading. In the coming years, this is what I want to devote my life to. I want to follow Jesus in my life and in my leadership. I want to feed the church by devoting myself to preaching the word. I want to protect our church from false teaching. I wanna love you. I wanna be able to say with sincerity, I love you. And I wanna lead this church. In the future, I know that we've got a lot of work to do to clarify vision and all of that, and where are we going? And today I intentionally didn't want to get super unique with, here's where I see. Instead, I wanted to just say, here's what I think God calls pastors to do. It's not unique to me. This is just what he says. And the reason is because I want you to be able to use that as the standard for which you judge me. I'm excited to get to work. I'm excited to hear stories about people who Come to faith through the ministry of people in our church because they heard the gospel shared from a coworker at lunch. I'm excited to hear stories about kids who are coming to church, placing their faith in Jesus and wanting to be baptized because their parents started to get excited about discipling them at home. And because they had a meaningful relationship with their teacher here at Highlands. I'm excited to hear stories about Internationals who learn how to read and write in English because people from our church pursued them. I'm excited to hear stories about people who thought the Bible was confusing and hard to understand until they started sitting in a small group and being around other Christians. I'm excited to hear all kinds of stories. My role as I understand it is to be a shepherd. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be the hero of all the stories. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be the one personally initiating all of those stories. It means that I'm going to be the one who's the chief follower, the one who preaches the word, the one who does all the stuff that we talked about. So my question for you today, as we start this journey together, I have two questions. The first... And so you come along with me. We're not going to agree on everything. But I'm asking that you would come along, that you would partner with us in the gospel. We're going to talk about what that means literally next week. But that you would partner with us in the gospel. Would you come along with us? That's my first request of you. And my second is, would you pray for me? And I mean that. And I'll commit to praying for you. It'll be a lot easier if we had some kind of membership directory of some kind. But we'll work on that. But I'll commit to doing the same thing for you. All right? Let's go before the Lord now. Father, thank you for sending your son. God, I pray that our eyes would be fixed on him. That we would pursue him pray that for me. I pray that for our church. I pray that the glory would not be to us or on a day like today to me, but that it would be to you because of your love and your faithfulness. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.